God, you are our ultimate support uh, structure. You give us the stability that we need and require in our lives. You are our rock, our fortress, our stronghold, our strong tower, our shield, our protector, our safe place. Without you and without the support that you have provided and do provide today and will provide tomorrow, we would have (coughs) absolutely nothing at all. We are grateful. Lord, I pray that our church family would see how we need to support each other, how we have supported each other. And I pray that we would walk away sort of renewed and refreshed as far as what our role is toward one another as we offer support to each other in love, as you offered ultimate support to us in and through and by the cross. Lord, thank you for Cami. Thank you for her diligent uh, service to you and to the church family. Uh, I pray that we would just appreciate all that she has done and does for our church to keep things going uh, by your grace. Lord, I pray that every word I say today would be from you and for you and your glory alone. In Christ's name, amen. invite Scott Larson to come forward, and he is going to read today's scripture. Scott. Today's scripture, Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, Today is the final installment in our fall kickoff uh, sermon series. It's all about why bother with church. And let me ask you that question. Why bother with church? Think about that. And really the series is twofold in that we wanted to sort of reach two groups. Perhaps the first group we wanted to sort of help is the group that is maybe more on the the outside of church life and outside of the church bubble or church world. Uh, Perhaps they drive 
along the street and they see a church building or they see a church meeting in a school like we are and they ask themselves, they see the signage and they're like, oh yeah, there's a church there. Like what, I wonder what they do and what's the whole point of church and, and the whole church culture is just kind of weird for me. I think all they do is sing songs and the preacher makes them feel guilty there and they somehow enjoy that sort of masochistic pain and you know, what's the whole point of church? I got other things to do I got to go to shopping. I got to take my kids to this and that. And the other thing, sports wise, why would I bother or should I bother with church? That's the first group that we wanted to sort of help as we tackle some of those types of questions. The second group, we wanted to help you if you've been doing the church thing for a while. Maybe you come most every Sunday, once in a while, maybe once a month, whatever it is. And perhaps you're feeling sort of burnt out on church, perhaps exhausted by the Sunday in Sunday out sort of grind and you're serving uh, in the kids ministry perhaps and serving here serving there serving everywhere and you come here and perhaps you've been feeling like it's the last thing you want to do kind of burnt out on the church thing and this series has been for you as well you've lost that loving feeling we're hoping that loving feeling for the church will return uh, and, and so I know for myself it's been helpful to go through this series uh, because it's caused me to revisit, you know, the idea of a local church like ours at Mercy Hill, it's actually Jesus' idea. It was his plan to use us, even us, to, to be a tool and instrument to usher in the kingdom of God in Clayton Heights in Surrey. And when the church is working right, following Jesus faithfully, empowered by Jesus to serve one another and serve our world. It's a, it's, it's a breathtaking kind of thing. And so it's helped me to sort of revisit the whole purpose and point of the church and all its blessings and all its benefits that it brings to your life and to mine. Now, today's theme is all about support. I want you to think about that word support for a second. Support. Support is a very important thing in your life, in my life, it's a very big deal. For example, let's look at a few examples. Your body, as it sits currently, requires a lot of structural, bone, skeletal support. That's why you're sitting up so nicely. That's why I'm standing. It's only because of the structural bone support on the inside. Uh, if you remove the bone support, if you remove the skeleton, what happens to you? You turn into a jellyfish, or a bag of meat. And as attractive as a bag of meat to me sounds, it's actually not an attractive thing if you don't have, anyhow, I digress. We need support. Your body needs support. Uh, support for deep sea divers. This came to mind. You know, they really need support from above. They go down one, 200 meters into the depths of the dark ocean, and they require the support from above to, to do their work and, and do their research and actually survive underwater in a very hostile cold, dark environment. And what do they need? Well, they need perhaps the oxygen hose from above, and they need, they need the light. If their flashlight goes out on them, they need someone to give them a new light from above. They have perhaps radio communication from above the boat upstairs. And, and most importantly, uh, they need this support team from above to pull them back up from the watery depths below. They need support. Think about newborn babies. Don't we all love newborn babies? Aren't they so cute and loud sometimes? But anyhow, we all love them, generally speaking. I think we all, everyone should. They're so cute. And really, newborn babies 
are, 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 they arrive into the world? How do they arrive into the world? Thank you to the support for nurses and doctors helping that birthing process. Without the nurse and the doctor, that would be very challenging for a family. All right, so they need that support. Then the ongoing day in, day out, you know, year in, decade in, decade out support, uh, it, it, they need mom and dad to feed them, to finance them, to change the diaper, to, to help with the, the education funds, and on and on it goes. Um, what, my point being, wouldn't you agree that support is essential for you and for me across the board? We would not do well without support in our lives. And when it comes to this idea of why bother with church, uh, the support a church family like ours can give to a person, to you and to me, I think it's one of the most beautiful and compelling reasons for why the church is actually worth the bother. It is worth the bother because it's a source of support that you need and that I need. In fact, today's message title is this. Uh, Here it is. Why bother with church? Because the church can give you the support you need. There it is. Some of you here today, you're not doing well. You're not doing well for all kinds of reasons. But one reason you're possibly not doing well spiritually or otherwise is because you're not aware of or you're choosing not to receive support from this church family or you're, not, you're choosing to not invest yourself in church life here at this local church or any local church. And I'm saying, if you're not investing yourself here and you're not receiving support from the local church, you're missing out. You're missing out big time. You see, the church by design, it was made and formed, instituted by Jesus Christ, God the Son. A church family is by design. This is a place, it's a, it's a family, it's a community for me, for you, for any and every Christian It's even here for not-yet-Christians, by the way. We exist to be like a spiritual hospital, meeting each other's spiritual needs and other needs so that you can thrive spiritually and grow spiritually and mature in Christ. We are like a hospital to offer that kind of life-and-death support. By the way, let let me quickly explain and unpack this idea that a church is a family, okay? A church is a family. It's a spiritual family. Just as a nuclear family, you might have a family. You might be married. You might have kids, all right? Mom and dad and the kids, that sort of thing. What do they do? Well, generally, hopefully, a nuclear family, they, they care for each other. They love each other. They might eat together, hopefully, but they generally support one another. Well, in like manner, a church family is, is kind of like that. It's like a big family, all right? Big awkward family reunion every Sunday. That's us in, in a nutshell. But we are family. We might not like that, but it's true. And we are a spiritual family. And I'm going to prove this to you with three different very short passages. We're going to look firstly at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4b and 5. It says, In love, he, God, predestined us. It was his plan for adoption to himself as sons. Through? Jesus Christ, faith in Him, according to the purpose of His will. So it's God's will for you to be a part of a church family, adopted into His family through Jesus. <laughs> That's the great thing about becoming a Christian. Not only are, are all your, your sins forgiven and washed away by faith in Jesus, 
you're repentant of your sins, you trust in the cross and what he did for you, and you're baptized, you're, you're, you're saved, you're forgiven. But more than that, yes, you have heaven in your future and not hell any longer. That's a very good thing. Would you agree? But beyond that and more than that, you receive the minute, the second you become a Christian, a brand new identity. And the center of who you are is no longer who you were. It's now the fact that you are a child of God, adopted into his family. You are his beloved son. You are his beloved daughter. That's at the center of who you are. Isn't that cool? Then we look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses, verse 19. It speaks further to this new identity in Christ that we have. It's been given to us. It's all a gift. 2.19 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. And who wants to be an alien? No one. Especially an alien. I was going to sing the Genesis song, but I won't. You are now fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Members of the household of God. So you're no longer on the outs with God. You're no longer on the outside of his will. You're you're no longer an enemy of God. No, no, no. You're in now. You now belong to the household of God. There's no better, greater household to belong to than that. And I love how Jesus confirms Matthew 12, verses 49 and 50. It says, And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So I'm asking you, are you seeking God's will? Are you doing God's will? Have you become a Christian? Are you pursuing, running after the God of the Bible? If you are, Jesus says, you're my brother. You're my sister. You're my mama. I don't know. I I, I do accents terribly. But you're part of Jesus' own family. That's very cool. And what we're going to do today is look at a key passage, Romans chapter 12, 9 to 21, I think it is. And this is a great passage because it really nicely unpacks and makes clear uh, the kind of support a local church like Mercy Hill is to give to each other. This church is here to give you the support that you need in order to thrive spiritually, in order to grow in Christ. And the first way of support is in your notes. Number one is this. The church is a spiritual family where good, genuine love and affection is shared where good, genuine love and affection is shared. Share the love. This point reminds me of a great quote from Jonathan Edwards, pastor from the 1700s. And uh, he described heaven with this quote, and it's very short. He said this, Heaven is a world of love. Heaven is a world of love. Isn't that beautiful? Well, did you know our church family is an outpost of heaven, an outpost of the kingdom of God. And so therefore, we are an outpost of a little world of love. We, we love God, we receive his love, and we love each other. Receive the, the vertical love so that we can pass it on horizontally in the power of his spirit. We are to be defined by love. And our passage, Romans 12, we get this and we see this in verses 9 and 10. And it tells us that a church's family, a church family's love for one another needs to be genuine, needs to be real, not, not fake, not contrived, not artificial, no plastic smiles. You know, I'm really good at the plastic smile, by the way. It's not a good thing. But none of that sort of thing. 
you know, let's get real with each other and love each other with a sense of authenticity. That our love needs to be good and not evil. In, in, in other words, are my intentions toward you good or is there some sort of ulterior motive, evil motive, selfish motive going on? No, no, no. It needs to be good kind of love for one another. Um, our love needs to be, our love for one another needs to be uh, like a family kind of love, a family style of love to the point where, imagine this, we are actually outdoing one another in honoring each other. It's almost like a healthy love competition. That sounds bad, but anyhow, you know what I'm saying? We're trying to outdo one another with how we honor each other. Imagine a place like that. And when this kind of love happens in a local church environment, it's amazing. But uh, you know what we need to do here first is actually define what love is. What is love? How would you define love? Your child comes to you, Mom, Dad, what is love? What would you say? You know, the world has all kinds of definitions of love, you may have noticed. And there's some very well-known phrases that the world offers to us, and some of these are controversial, and I'll just tell you what they are. Okay, so the world has an idea of love, but then the Bible has an idea of love, and you be the judge as to whether these are the same things. Um, the world says it's all about love, uh, but anyhow, we hear things like, love is love, and I fell in love, or I fell out of love, and I love you. And then my favorite, not really, live, laugh, love. Just strikes the heart. It just gets you right there, right there. I love that phrase. No, I don't. And if we're not careful, you might assume the world is actually all about love. Sounds loving. I mean, the Beatles were all about love. I mean, it seems like it's all about love. Love is love, you know. But the world is talking about something very different than what the Bible is talking about. And I want to really make it crystal clear about the kind of love that the Bible is all about. All right? And there's different forms of love, but there's this form of love that's mentioned in verses 9 and 10 is a certain kind of love. It's taken from the ancient Greek word. Uh, the New Testament was written in ancient Greek. That's why we're going back to the original languages here. And the original Greek word <coughs> for love is the word agape. You may have heard of the word agape out there. And it's a beautiful word, actually. And here's the quote. It's in your notes. Definition of agape love is this. It's affection. It's goodwill, love, benevolence, brotherly love. Agape love involves, this is my favorite, faithfulness, commitment, and act of the will. Agape is used to describe the love that is of and from God, whose very nature is love itself. Did you know that God is love? God defines love. Agape love is modeled by Christ. Where did Christ model love most beautifully and most perfectly? On the cross. He lived our life for us, and then he died our death on the cross for our sins in our place as our substitute. He was forsaken by God the Father for us, and then he rose again. He did all of that out of agape love. And so agape love is modeled by Christ. is not based on a feeling. Rather, it is a determined act of the will. A joyful resolve to put the welfare of others above our own. Isn't that great stuff? So love is less a feeling than it is an act of the will. It's less subjective, cloudy, airy-fairy than it is it's a resolve. I'm going to resolve to look to your interests, your needs, your wants 
I'm going to resolve to put your welfare ahead of my own, your well-being ahead of my own. That's, that's love. Why is it? Why is it self-sacrificial like this? Well, again, Jesus, he was all about agape love. The love that he showed us on the cross, there was no greater expression of love, period, in history, and ever will be. So how could we not love one another like Jesus loved us? He's the ultimate example, and he's the source of love. <coughs> he personifies love, and how could we not love one another with the same kind of self-sacrificial love that we received from him? We've received it vertically, and now we spread it horizontally, even when we don't feel it. Even when you don't feel like, like loving your spouse, you still love them. Same in church life. Even when you don't want to be here, your emotions are in the tank, you still show up and you still love each other and you still listen to people, you still care for people. That's what we do. So if you're new to church, you might be new to this whole church deal and Christianity business, and so glad you're here. Let me just say, uh, Mercy Hill, yeah, we've got some imperfections. We've got some work to do on this, I would say. But I would say, I've experienced Mercy Hill Church as a family of love, a church of love, a place of love. I've experienced it. You know, my mom passed away, I don't know how long it is now, I lose track of time, I think a couple of years ago. Uh, to a, you, know, you guys supported me through that battle with cancer that she underwent, and I had to travel a fair bit for that, and then she passed on. You guys supported me when she passed on. Even before my mom passed on, my wife's mom passed on to cancer, battled cancer for years, and then it took, God took her away. You supported both myself, my wife, and our children through those painful sort of situations. Um, I had some back pain going back to last November, and it was really annoying and actually quite debilitating. And by the grace of God, praise God, he's helped me out in the last four or five weeks. It's been getting a lot better. I mean, it's, it, the pain's down by about 60%. That's, that's good. You know, there is a God. You know, there really is, and he's, he's working. Um, sometimes he, he, he delays for only reasons that he knows to sort of grow you up a little bit. And I've got a lot of growing up, obviously, to do. But anyway, my point is, you supported me through that. You, you listened to my, my whining, and you offered suggestions. And I'm telling you, there were suggestions <coughs> about what to do with my back from every direction. You know? So thank you, I think. Uh, but anyhow, you did that. And, and, but when you did that, you're showing that you care. You're showing love and support. And... and we have been receiving, my family and I, this kind of agape love from you, the local church, for years. Why? Well, for some reason you love me. You're committed to me. You're looking not just to your own interests and your own back pain, but also to mine. Not just to your own family struggles, but also to mine. And I'm grateful. And if this church thing is new for you, don't you need, don't you kind of want this kind of support and love in your life. And let me just say, it takes a while to develop. It's like growing a garden. You know, you can't have tomatoes tomorrow when you plant the seed. You've got to invest yourself in this place and invest yourself in relationships. You generally won't receive unless you're giving. That's kind of how it works. And the more you give of yourself here and invest in other lives and, and cultivate relationships here, the more you get back. That's kind of how it works. I've encountered a lot of people over the years who say, well, no one's doing anything for me in the church. And I'm like, well, what are you doing for others in the church? Because if you do that long enough, you're going to that's going to reciprocate. That's going to come back to you. So if you're not receiving much love in the church, that's probably because of you. Probably. In part. Large part. Anyhow, rabbit trail. I challenge everyone here. 
who is a Christian, are you loving your church family these days? Are you committed to her? Are you putting the welfare of others before your own? What? That's nuts, but that's what we are called to do. And we can do it only with the help and the power of Jesus helping us love one another more effectively, to be more about giving than receiving. All right, let's move on. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm still battling a bit of a cold. The second point in your notes about how a church family can give you the support that you need is number two. The church is a spiritual family that helps you patiently, joyfully, and prayerfully endure hard times. Helps you patiently, joyfully, and prayerfully endure hard times. It could be said, when do you really need help and support in your life? When do you really need that kind of backup? It's when your life sucks. It's when life is in the tank, life is rough, and thankfully, a local church like Mercy Hill, designed by Jesus to help you weather the storm with patience, with joy, and with prayer. I can't, I'm just looking out on you guys, and it's almost overwhelming to recount the trials and the struggles that you've been through. It's overwhelming. And that's why this point should be really important for you to hear and to listen to. Okay? You've been through a lot. And some of you have received help and support from this church to get through that. Some of you have not. But anyhow, let me move on. Let me show you how this has happened at Mercy Hill over the years. How individuals and others have received support here. There have been five cars given away outright to families who needed it. What happened? Well, their cars broke down. And, you know, here in the suburbs where we live, Surrey-Langley area, you kind of need a car to get around, especially if you have kids. It's possible not to, but these families and individuals had cars break down on them, and how did you respond? You responded by giving these people cars, either your own cars, or you bought cars for these families in need. Isn't that cool? Five cars have been given away in our 12-year history. Furthermore, in times of health trouble, health emergencies, the church family has gathered around. We gathered our elder team in a couple of cases to pray for these individuals with the anointing of oil according to James chapter 5. And like I said, in a couple of cases, they received miraculous physical healing for their issues. That's amazing. And in those other situations, we've also had times when God chose not to heal them, that you were still there for them. You supported them through their cancer battle or whatever the battle health (coughs) health emergency was. You were there for them. You helped them weather the storm. People have lost jobs here over the years. <coughs> we have carried those burdens of losing employment together. We prayed for, for a peaceful attitude to deal with that storm that you're going through and not to resent God or resent your former employer. We've become <coughs> a soft landing for people going through grueling job transitions and very unjust work situations. And in many cases, using our own relationship network, we found jobs for people, better jobs than they had previously. It doesn't happen every time, but it does happen. That's what this church has done for one another. Did you know that we've also faced at least a couple of issues of domestic violence in our history as a church? Obviously, we won't name names. 
But you've been there. We've been there for the victims. In cases of mental illness and depression, potential suicide, we've been there. Counsel, encourage, pray, listen. On and on and on and on it goes. That by the grace of God, by Jesus... Oh, thanks. I've got another one here too. Sweet. Must be getting bad if that's happening. I just need to have a good coughing session. Wouldn't that be great on the microphone? But I'm just saying, very imperfectly, God has used you with His empowering grace to support one another through the storms. And if, uh, if there's no other reason to be a part of a local church than that, man, that's a compelling one. We're family. This is what families do, right? When a family's working right, do they not care for each other through hard times? So must we. So must we. Let me challenge you. Are you doing your part in this task? Are you helping others? Are you running to the fire? Are you running to the fire that others have in their life? Or are you so focused on your own fire, your own tribulation? I'm so busy. I got so much stuff going on in my own life. I got, you should see my schedule. My Google Calendar is maxed out. I can't help others. I'm just saying, is that right? Is that a good excuse? I don't think so. I don't, we can fit them in. We can fit them in. Okay? So where are you at with helping others through their storm? Let's move on to point number three, a third way that a church family can give you the support that you need. It's namely this. The church is a spiritual family that takes care of its own and practices hospitality. Takes care of its own and practices hospitality. Verse 13 is all about this. It says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And what we notice here, as I get a little bit technical, bear with me, the Apostle Paul is instructing the local church at Rome two things. Go to them and invite them to us. Go to them, invite them to us. Let me explain. Going to them meaning contribute to the needs that you see in and around your church family and then Come to us, meaning invite them over to my place. Come over from, to my place for a meal. Let's have a meal together. Let's do coffee and dessert together. Let's do a play date together. Let's work on my car together, because by the way, my car is breaking down. I need your help. Um, <coughs> and I might help you with yours if you're, anyhow. But this is what we do. Just, so we go, we find the need, and then we bring people in. We go, and then we, we ask people to come. Go, come this way. That's how it works. By the way, Well, you need to know this original Greek word for hospitality in this text, in verse 13, is literally translated as, you ready for this? Hospitality is literally translated in ancient Greek as love for strangers. That's hospitality. Love for strangers. The idea is we are to pursue other people in our church family, those that we don't know so so well. So I invite you to my home if I don't know you so well. Why? To take the stranger out of you so that you no longer are a stranger to me. Does that make sense? Does that sort of make sense? Okay, yeah. We're trying to, to not be strangers to one another. And the way, that we don't, the way that we are no longer strangers to one another is by having each other into our homes so we can get to know each other. There's no agenda aside from maybe eating and hanging out and chilling. That's about it. I'll never, never forget a few years ago, we had a family over to our home. It was very casual. It was very fun. And during 
the course of that time or towards the end of our time together, the comment was, this was really good. This was really good. And I realized, yes, it is, has been good. It's been great. And the point is, this is not happening in our culture. And the more that we do this, yes, you can have awkward hospitality visits that are just like, what were, what were we thinking bringing them over? I mean, that was crazy. Um, and this person's crazy, I think. But, you know, but generally speaking, it's a good experience. And we want to see more of that. And it's so rare in our culture. You know why it's rare in our culture? For neighbors to invite other neighbors over, even church people to invite other church people into their homes? It's because we're so darn busy. We've got too much going on. We're too stressed out. And, or at least we think we are. That's the problem. And this idea of just basic, chill, casual hospitality, it's good. It's fun. It's pleasant. When was the last time, though, when was the last time that you had someone over to your home from this church? When was the last time that you had someone over to your home from this church? Some of you are fantastic at this. Others of us, not so good to make them no longer a stranger to you. You know, here's how this goes. Kurt, you have no idea. Would you just get off my back? Just leave me alone here. You know, I'm so busy. You have no idea. Uh, you know, and I got a dog. The dog is a disaster, and it smells bad, and the, cat, the cat's destroyed the furniture. I don't want them to see my destroyed furniture, and my kids are kind of nuts at home too, and, and you, I don't want to invite people into that environment for their mental health's sake, let alone my own, to sort of put up with that and to make sure they're okay. I'm just too stressed to have people over, too busy, got too much going on. And I would say it's commanded here for Christ followers, commanded for you as a part of a local church family to cultivate relationships by doing hospitality, having people over, remove the stranger from them, okay? And like I said before, when you make hospitality a practice, and, and I know many of you I should say some of you in the room are really good at hospitality. When you practice hospitality in a regular, ongoing way, what happens? Well, people start having you over. And most of the time, that's fun and good. And they feed you like you fed them. And the more that you do this, it's sort of like, it's a snowball effect of love. And it's, it's fun. Isn't it great to eat meat together? Oh, it's fantastic. And, 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 you, and you just start to experience this great blessing of rich relationships. And you find yourself just less depressed in life. Maybe one way that you can remove the depression in your life is by doing more hospitality. I think there's something to that. I don't know where that came from, but anyway, I better move on to number four in our notes as we transition. One final way a local church family can show one another support is this. The church is a spiritual family that is emotionally supportive. We are to be emotionally supportive, all right? We get this from verse 13, verse 15 rather, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And I like the comment from the ESV Study Bible on this verse. It says, It is a simple command to be considerate of the feelings of others instead of waiting for them to be considerate of your feelings. All right? Consider the feelings of others instead of waiting for them to be considerate of yours. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> it's possible 
It's possible for you to serve and support others here in our church gatherings. It's possible for you to serve others here with your feelings. You can serve others with your feelings, with your emotions. This is a good reminder for a guy like me. You might know that I am not terribly emotional or expressive. (laughs) None of you are surprised at me saying that. Uh, I actually, I have emotions somewhere. They're in there somewhere, you know. Uh, But I'm not that good at expressing them, and I try to to, to do a better job of that. So here's the result. Um, It's easy for me to not be in tune with your emotional well-being or the emotions of those around me. Sometimes I get myself into trouble and into situations. Someone comes up to me, and they say, I had a horrible week. Oh, it was rough. Probably the worst week of my life. And I'll respond by saying, interesting. Interesting. How about those Canucks? How about the weather? Oh, you're, you're, what's wrong? You know? And in marriage, my very poor emotional intelligence has bit me in the butt more times than I can count. And so, slowly, that's the great thing about age, you learn some things, although it's a very slow process. But with age, you know, very slowly, I've learned, you know, emotions, there's value with emotions. Your, your emotions actually have value. Your, your emotions, my emotions are important. In fact, did you know that your emotions are important to God? How do we know this? Verse 15. It says to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Where is this from? It's from God. He is telling us to serve one another with our emotions. All right? Self-sacrificially. And by the way, please don't take that as your cue to dump all your emotions on other people. No, you're taking more of a servant standpoint. If people are dumping their emotions on you, you're weeping with them, you're crying with them, you're rejoicing with them, whatever it is. But all this to say, rejoice with those who rejoice. When someone gets a new job, rejoice. When they're pregnant, rejoice. If they're getting married, rejoice. I think, well, is Lanny getting married? Yeah, is she here? There she is, you're getting married. Isn't that great? Let's hear it for Lanny. Congratulations. Are you, is it happening here or is it happening in the Philippines? The Philippines? Yeah, good stuff. Well, huge congrats. Rejoice with those who rejoice, all right? Isn't that good? That's love, by the way, even though it's kind of like a half-clap kind of thing. It was, that's still love. Or when you've lost your job on the dark side, uh, your marriage is on the rocks, kids going crazy, uh, you're just downright depressed, you might not even know why you're depressed. We weep with you. We listen to you. We weep with those who weep. That's love. That's what love looks like emotionally. And let me ask you this. Are you using your emotions to serve others in our church family? Are you supporting others here with your emotions? Are you matching your emotion to the emotions of those in and around you? Are you doing that? Or are you like me? Not good. Please don't be like me. Let me learn from you. Show that you care. Show that you're listening. Serve others with your emotions. We must. You know, a local church like Mercy Hill, we are a spiritual family that cares for each other, that supports one another, that loves one another. Let's pray together. Lord, so grateful for this church family. Yes, we have so many imperfections, and we failed over the years. But one strong point, Lord God, and I am grateful for it, has been the love shown and demonstrated here 
the support that we've shown for each other, the support given right when we needed it. And I'm so grateful. And Lord, may we see even more of that going forward. May we love each other more effectively than ever. May we respond to needs more effectively than ever. May we listen to one another more effectively than ever. May we serve each other with our emotions more effectively than ever. We can't do this on our own. We need your help. We need your power. We need your, your support, Holy Spirit, to do this. We can't do this on our own, and so we need you, and we ask you, and we beg you for it. Empower us to support one another better than ever before. Even those who are not yet Christians who might be testing the waters here, may they experience your love through us as a evidence that you are alive, that you are real. Lord, we come to a time of communion and we remember and celebrate the greatest expression of love and self-sacrifice the world has ever seen, that being your cross and your resurrection. And Lord Jesus, thank you for living our life, dying our death, and rising again. We would have nothing, no hope at all without you, without your gospel. Thank you for opening heaven to us and inviting us in to your family and adopting us as your children. In Christ's name, amen.